Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and this is episode 101. We have officially gotten into the three digits. It's exciting. Feels different. It doesn't feel different. Um, (laughs) So speaking of three digits, two digits, okay. So my daughter turned nine this past weekend. So, okay. My brain, you know, three digits. She's about to become two digits. That's where I went. And she is so clearly preteen. It is funny. I don't know if you're a mom. I don't know if you have a preteen or a teen. Um, but Lord help me. Oh my gosh. I think the next few years I am going to have, if I haven't learned ep- empathy up until this point at 34 and a half years old. Yeah, I I passed my half birthday. Ooh, interesting side fact. Do you know that last week's guest, Dr. Mo, her birthday is my half birthday? Isn't that interesting? Not at all? We thought it was, just so you know, when we discovered um, that. But where was I going? Um, Okay, I'm 34 and a half. Oh, empathy, yeah. My girls, I think, will make me have so much empathy for my mother and what I put her through. So long story short, I know my kid, right? Like if you've got a kid and you've been with them for even three days, well, it takes a little bit, three months, you really start to know your kid. So then extrapolate that out to you know your kid for nine years. Um, And then I'm going like, wait, so then my mom's known me for 34. Does she know me better? Anyways, so... We go for this birthday party. My nine-year-old is my sensory kid, honestly. Like she's not diagnosed. She hasn't need medication or anything like that. But basically anytime someone's like, how did you get into more neurological, doing scans um, and really wanting to attract sensory kids, behavior kids into your clinic? It was my experience with my daughter. I think I've told that story before. I'm not going to do it now. Um, I'll probably do, you know what? That's a good story for me to tell on somebody else's podcast when I get asked the same questions all the time. I'll I'll bring that story out. But anyway, so when she was four, we had a thing at Disneyland. I realized, oh my gosh, I'm a pediatric chiropractor and I'm not doing everything I can. Ah." So then I started doing this stuff and she's been great, but she definitely has these sensory moments. So she gets overstimulated for sure. So we are just doing this super indulgent birthday with her and her cousin in the Dells. It starts at 8 a.m. in the pool and then pancakes and toy stores and candy stores and a science museum-ish thing um, like only Wisconsin Dells can do. Uh, if you haven't been to the Dells, it's, I, I don't know. I've never been to Atlantic City, but I picture it. Or Myrtle Beach is probably a better, it's like a, a Myrtle Beach, except in Wisconsin. So there's no beach. You just have like cheesy arcades and go-karts and stuff. And yeah. So we're there. She's having a blast. It's only noon and we have like lived three days. And I'm like, all right. So it's a beautiful day out, spring Wisconsin. You guys, what should we do next? What if we go on the ducks? Now, again, if you don't know who Wisconsin Dells is, this is gonna sound really weird. Oh, but it's like in Boston and stuff, the ducks. It's like those like tours of a city and like it starts with a boat that's on wheels and drives and then all of a sudden you're in the water and there's jokes and it's great. And so I'm like, 
what are, we should do the ducks. And she's like, well, what are the ducks? So I'm explaining it, trying to do my best hype man for the ducks. Um, doesn't work. She goes, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go to the trampoline park. And I'm like, okay. I just know, like, it's going to be loud. It's going to be, like, Wisconsin Dells is open for business. There are people there. And I'm like, are you sure, like... The ducks are done at four o'clock today. The trampoline park is open until 10 p.m. We can still do both. I'm not saying not the trampoline park, but I really think you would enjoy something outside, like sitting. And she's like, ma'am, stop trying to push the ducks on me. You said you wouldn't do this. And so I'm just sitting in the car like, okay, okay, okay. Yep, nope. It's not like I have a personal investment in the ducks. It's not like I care if we go to the docks. I just know my kid. So guess what happens? We walk to the, get into the trampoline park. We have to walk all the way through because we like kind of walked in the back exit. So to get to like the actual trampoline park, we have to walk through this arcade and cosmic bowling and there are lights and sounds and people everywhere. Even I'm just like, oh gosh, I don't want to be here. Um, you know, it's like one o'clock on a beautiful day. And we get there to like where we would buy tickets. And I'm like, all right, are you ready? And she, she just looks at me and starts like bawling. And she's like, I don't want to do this. I want to leave. I just want to go back to the hotel room. <laughs> so whatever. We end up having going back and playing in the pool. It ends up being a great day. No, we didn't end up doing the ducks. Um, which now I feel like I really need to because I've tried selling. I tried selling it so much. Because yeah, when we left, don't you... Uh, of course, when we left, I was like, so how about the ducks now? It didn't go over well. She was not like, you know what, mom, you were right. Let's go to the ducks. I just got yelled at again. Um, that's probably when she said, ma'am, stop trying to push the ducks on me. <laughs> so I need help from anyone who has a teenage daughter, um, how to handle the next, I don't know, should we say 10 years? She's nine. When will she come back to me? Uh, she has these moments still that are just so young and nine and she cuddles me. But then there are these moments that you just see her stepping into her independence like she's supposed to. But like it just seems like a daughter steps into her independence by like separating herself from her mom, which that was a deep that came out of nowhere. Whew. That just helped me process the last couple of days. Thanks, you guys. Um, all right, we're done. No, like, but truly, I don't, it seems like this very specific thing that happens between daughters and moms, and I can see it happening. I saw it happen with my mom, and I saw her struggle and think, like, you don't love me. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to question whether my daughter loves me for a day of my life, but I think there are going to be moments. <sighs> all the students listening are just like, blah, blah, get to the show. All right. All right. Um, okay. Before I get into our review, I do want to take this moment to go. If you are not signed up for our wait list, we are going to be re-releasing our Reels for Chiropractors course um, coming soon, very soon, as soon as I kind of get my new associate who started this week trained in because I forgot how hard training is. Oh my gosh, that's another episode that I need to do. If you're a chiropractor who is trained in multiple associates and you're like, hey, Lauren, I would be a great person to come on and talk to you about that. You are welcome to show up in my DMs and uh, sell me on that because I need help ASAP. Uh, but the course is going to be coming out and we're going to be adding information to it. So it's not just reels. It's going to be a lot more on just like, Instagram and how to target your ideal market in your town um, and not worry about, you know, becoming a nationwide famous chiropractor because that don't pay your bills. So the wait list is, um, Kirby will throw a link down in the show notes, but most people don't use those anyways. So go over to my Instagram at she's slays podcast and the link tree in my bio will have that uh, wait list because you will get offered through email the cheapest, the absolute cheapest um, while it's available. So let's read our review. Okay, so this reviewer is 72980, which is not the funnest reviewer name I've read, but it's there. Um, and this was just on the 12th, so like a week and a half ago. Don't worry if you wrote one that I haven't written, but Kirby just selected this one for me. He said, it's great. So it is called Fangirling Over Lauren. And yes, she spelt my name right with a Y. 
She Slays is by far the best podcast I've ever listened to. Okay, so I'm going to pause right there. That makes me feel really uncomfortable in, like, a good way. But, like, I also don't take high praise that well. Like, ever? Like, have you tried listening to, like, um, who, you know, the Brendan Bouchard, uh, Jay Shetty? There's some real good ones out there, but I'm going to take it. Lauren makes sure to talk about topics that are important to both chiropractic and business, but also about one's mental well-being. Since listening to this podcast, I have started to feel like a more confident chiropractor and adjuster, as well as a better communicator. By being so raw and unfiltered, she has made me realize it's okay to not be perfect, and she teaches you how to accept yourself and continue to grow to be the person you strive to be. This podcast always helps me feel motivated, and if I ever need a pep talk, I listen to old episodes because that because she's that good I actually want to listen twice highly recommend listening every single person I've introduced to this podcast has enjoyed it just as much oh my gosh you guys thanks thanks 72980 that was really sweet I like that a lot okay so today's guest um you may know of her so it is not a chiropractor it is a craniosacral therapist her name is Lori Hendrickson um and I've never you know, like a lot of my guests, I haven't gotten to meet them in person. I feel like I know Lori because I follow her on Instagram and she does a lot of very educational videos. So if you don't follow her, um, you know, she's going to talk about her course that she offers that you can buy, I think at any time. And, but like, you can just go to her Instagram and it is what Instagram is there for to like educate to her, her ideal market. So you can go and just binge her and learn. Um, but I also feel like I know her because I'm really good friends with Lona Cook, who lives only an hour from me, who was my first coach. And like Lona has like referenced her a lot. She's apparently just a larger than life, amazing human. And I think you get a little taste of that on today's episode. So she was trained in craniosacral therapy and has been practicing in Minnesota since 2001. So for about 20 years, she treats patients out of her home in Princeton, Minnesota, and at Cleveland Family Chiropractic Center and the Synergy Center in River Falls, Wisconsin. So River Falls, just so you guys know, because I'm, I know you care, is about an hour from me. So like I can actually refer patients to her or take my kids to her. It's awesome. She also shares her knowledge and experience with chiropractors and other healthcare professionals through live workshops. Um, she's amazing. You guys are going to love her. And if you're not using craniosacral therapy in clinic, um, I think after today's episode, you will be very intrigued as to what it can offer pediatric practice, even if it's through referrals or learning home exercises to give to patients. Um, so, you know, if you're a little more high volume like me, you're like, well, I don't have a half hour to be doing craniosacral appointments or an hour. I don't know how long they take. But part of her course is teaching you exercises to give parents at home so when the kids come in, they receive those adjustments so much better. So before we jump into that conversation, let's pray. Dear God, thanks for another amazing human on this earth. You made quite a few of them. Um, thanks for Lori and all of her expertise and like just another modality craniosacral therapy and how well it works with chiropractic and you know it makes me think that maybe you didn't really mean to box professions into names and that uh, all of these natural hands-on healing techniques are meant to work together synergistically to just allow the human innate intelligence to be expressed in its fullest potential from the youngest person that is Earthside to the oldest. Um, help everyone listening to continue to stay open-minded in their journey, whether they are still in school or 30 years into practice, into how they can continue to serve their patients better, to think creatively how they can evolve their own practice if maybe they're stagnant or bored and wanting to add things in without reinventing the wheel. Um, just help them feel inspired and help them. patients come to mind who perhaps they haven't been getting the great results. Um, help those names kind of pop up as they're listening to this and go like, oh, maybe I should refer that person to this person or find a craniosacral therapist in my area or take the course and see what I can offer my own patients. Thank you for this medium of podcasting 
uh, thank you for reviewer, viewer 72980 uh, for taking the time to say such nice things. Help me in my journey to be able to receive nice things without getting all awkward and sweaty. Um, and anybody needing a little extra love, give them just like that virtual hug. Make them feel all warm like I'm giving them a hug right now as they're listening to this podcast, driving in their car, cleaning their house, running, whatever they may be doing. So in your name we pray. Amen. All right, crew, another episode, another interview, another talk with an amazing human. Here you go. Okay, so Lori, welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast. Well, hello. Before, nice to be here. Yeah, before I reached out to you, had you, um, did you know much about the podcast at all? Or is this like your first time being like, oh, this is fun? This is my first time. Oh, this is fun. In fact, I on purpose didn't go listen. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, so you don't know that one of the first questions I ask almost everyone, or at least it comes out is like, are you familiar with the Enneagram and do you know yours? Yes, I am. And I am a seven. Yes. Oh, sevens are my favorite. I aspire (laughs) to be a seven. So I am a three. Okay. I like to think that I am part seven. Um, although I don't, I don't think I am, but sevens. Yeah. I was just talking to an Enneagram expert, um, the other week and I was just saying like, does everyone want to be a seven? And they're like, sevens or nines. Yes. Yes. We all want. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably surprising to you if you know the Enneagram, you're like, really, don't you know? Like, cause everyone knows the bad parts of themselves, but everyone. Yeah. Sevens just seem like they're having fun. Like they're the last, they're like ordering tequila shots. They're, they're living life. We are having fun. And then when you're looking right at your sixth decade, you're like, wait a second. Did I have too much fun? I'm not in order. I'm not ready. (laughs) Gosh. Yay. Okay. So next question, is that a real baby behind you or is that a doll? I would like to say so. Okay. So keep in mind, I'm a seven, but I am also going to be one of those people. All right. I am. This is Mary. And she's my teaching tool. Okay, good. I just didn't know, like, do should I be quiet? Are we going to wake up that baby behind you? Or, okay. A miracle. Yeah. All right. was my- <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I actually don't know. The only thing I know about you is that you're a craniosacral therapist. I know that you post really cool videos on Instagram and that my good friend and mentor Lona Cook thinks you are amazing. So like I automatically was like, well, I want to talk to her more. So would you mind giving me and the listeners just like, who are you? How did you get to be at this point in life? Take all the time you need. Oh, okay. questions. I'm really good at saying this fast and keeping everything else out. But um, I was trained by a doctor who was certified in a pleasure method. Okay. Um, and anyone who knows what craniosacral therapy is knows a pleasure. But this was in the late 90s. OK, so. Oh, geez. I don't know oh. if it says more about you or more about me. Like, oh, late 90s. That's not old. That's. 60 next year, rocking it. But back then, nobody knew what a craniosacral therapist was, right? So it was kind of when that ship took off and people were hanging shingles saying, you know, craniosacral therapy. And because we are, we work so well with chiropractors, um, that's kind of our, our link. So chiropractic adjustments marry beautifully with craniosacral work. Mm -hmm. And I worked right away in a clinic, really busy clinic um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, scary part of town. Mm -hmm. And we started to see all of these pathologies with babies that were being slept on their backs all the time. Oh, so that's kind of my niche. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started specializing in pediatrics and prenatal. We started seeing lots of plagiocephaly. That's the flat when the head is flat on one side or both. Torticollis, where the neck is kind of stuck 
to one side, lots of digestive issues, uh, acid reflux, sleeping problems, um, terrible time catching on to breastfeeding, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. So then you're working in this clinic and yep. what's next? Seeing these babies come. Okay. So on a beautiful day, right? With a baby that has no restrictions, we'll do this cranial sacral protocol, which is very lovely and gentle and magical, right? So really what it is, is gentle touches on the baby that help them kind of retrace birth or um, any kind of pain they may have had, difficult birth, whatever, right? Until we stopped really seeing that happen so beautifully because these babies were locked in its extension. Is this just going to be an audio podcast? Yeah. Okay. No. Well, I won't use Mary anyway, then so we'll put Mary away. But <laughs> just bluff. Babies were coming to us and they were stuck in extension. So they were arching their necks back and their heads, you know what I mean? And very stiff in the body, not soft and supple and, supple and squishy, like babies kind of were known to be prior to the back to sleep recommendation, which was late to mid nineties. Right. Okay. Yep. Are you following me? Yep. Totally so fine. these babies came and they're stiff as a board, terribly unhappy and uncomfortable in their bodies. Right. So I started to, they would come to see me and I would need to stretch them out. I would need to flex that fascia that was stuck in extension, right? And kind of make them a little bit more supple before I could do that beautiful cranial sacral protocol. And then it just became a thing where unless I got a baby that was maybe co-slept and I know this isn't popular, but those babies are soft and supple or a baby that had tummy slept, again, not a popular, Popular on this podcast. Don't worry. You're in good. Company. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Woo! My husband thinks I'm going to get shot. I swear to you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we haven't even brought so up we, vaccines. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, but what we found is that if we could flex the fascia on these babies, we could number one, do the craniosacral protocol and let this baby get some work done. And number two, the baby's more comfortable. So, then it became this big thing where, well, these are young families. They can't afford to come and see me every day for me to stretch their baby out. And I don't have room on my schedule. Mm -hmm. So what I started to do was make these families as independent of my care as I could by teaching them the stretching protocol. Okay. And then I realized, okay, well, this mom and dad, they are sleep deprived. They're stressed out. They're in this room. I've got about a half an hour to be with them. They're not really absorbing much because they can't. Mm -hmm. So I started doing these little lame videos on my iPhone where the mom would try to keep it steady. And she would video me doing a stretch on the baby. And then she could have that as a resource. And then I started putting those on my Facebook site and my Instagram site so that all parents and practitioners could have access to that so that these babies can be stretched several times a day. Several because times a day. Several times a day they need the stretching, especially if they're significantly impaired, which some of them are. Well, I had like no idea that um, there was body work that was necessary beyond or like that you recommended besides like a craniosacral appointment you're like no i need you to do this before i can even do that work yeah. it's almost like in chiropractic world like if you have like a very very stiff guy where he might need like a massage before you can even like get anything to move great analogy okay so how old is craniosacral therapy do you know like well you're putting me on the spot it's not Sorry. that old but it was, I know that it was invented by an osteopath. I know this. And then several people made it popular, but Upledger's probably the big guy. And there's a Barnes that also did it. And because there isn't a governing body yet for craniosacral therapy, it can look very 
different depending on the practitioner. Right. I like that. I, I like that. I, I see in the future that that could probably change. I'm glad I got in under the radar, but I've been teaching now for six years, flying around the country before COVID. And just last year in Kansas City, I had a whole classroom full of um, physical therapists, which is awesome if you know that world. Yeah. You know, because physical therapists and chiropractors have kind of, uh, oh, but I hate that so much. I know I hate so it. So much. Oh, gosh. I see it changing, though. I do. I see it. This is kind of a common ground for us. It's like, you know, the divorced parents that have a baby together. <laughs> it's <laughs> the thing that can reunite and heal <laughs> chiropractic and physical therapy. Yes. Yes, it's, it can be their love child, you know. It's true. It's it's true. And I'm excited. And the reason this is happening is because it's consumer driven, like anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. So differentiate to me, if you can, please, like, OK, so obviously chiropractic is this energy work. Is this- some some practitioners do energy work. OK. So- and are you a chiropractor, Lauren? Yes. OK. So as you know, if you're into the energy vibe world or not, the body is made of energy. Yep. So whether you're aware that you're doing energy work or not, you yeah. Are. Great answer. Yes. Okay. So there you go. But you is know, this like closer to Reiki massage? Like if you had to say like craniosacral therapy is closest to, would you say Reiki, massage, I, physical therapy? Or I would say... I say would say fascial release. Okay. Fascia blaster queen right here. Okay. Got it. So yeah. Really dealing with connective tissue in fascia. Okay. Because you, you, the chiropractor are dealing with the bones, right? And physical therapy muscles, really. And of course we're all dealing with all of it, but I mean, that's kind of your focus. Yep. Yep. I My focus overall is the fascia. So you've got the tentorium, the membrane in the head, and the falx tentorium, falx inside your head, a membrane. Those membranes come down and articulate with the dural tube, okay. which encases the spine. Your job, yeah. right? My job, the dural, dural tube. I got it. I know it. Dural. Yes. And the dural tube. The previous ligaments, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, I remember those for sure. Okay. <laughs> But also then when that dural tube goes down the body, you have your diaphragms, which are made up of fascia, diaphragmatic membranes, correct? So all of that from head to toe works together or not. If you have fascia that's sticking to bone and muscle on these babies or to pyloric sphincters or cardiac sphincters or ribs or sigmoid colon, ileocecal valve. You have all of this where I tell my parents it's like, or when I teach, I tell doctors too, that it's very much like press and seal, you know, like saran wrap, press and seal. Yes, yes. So I always have a piece of it when I'm teaching or when parents are coming to the house because I show them how it can stick to my hand and how that impairs the movement of my hand, just like it might impair the movement of peristalsis right? Or any kind of swallowing or moving. So we're just freeing that fascia up with these stretches before we do the wonderful, beautiful release that cranial psychotherapy can provide. So when you're teaching, are you teaching, um, you know, so if you're teaching like physical therapists and chiropractors, are you teaching them the stretching or are you teaching them how to incorporate Okay, so I'm assuming that chiropractors bastardize, bastardize craniosacral therapy sure. into their adjustment, right? Like, I'm just probably, right? Yeah. Like, you know, kind of like, um, <laughs> right? Let's just be honest. Like, I'm sure there are chiropractors who are like saying, I'm doing craniosacral therapy. And you're like, oh, God, no, you're not. Um, so, are you teaching them? the stretching protocol or are you teaching them how to overlay or underlay or incorporate interweave actual craniosacral therapy with a chiropractic? Excellent question. Excellent question because I'm doing both. Okay. So I used to, okay. 
what I'm doing now is I'm really focusing on the pediatric part. So I attract pediatric chiropractors mainly, right? Because it's all going to be about these stretches. So everybody brings a doll and hopefully we have a couple babies that come in as models, right? And we learn all about this fascia work because it's not rocket science. It is so available. In fact, the biggest thing doctors say is whatever they've learned at that workshop on Saturday, they do it on Monday in clinic. But also we go and we do learn the craniosacral protocol, kind of 101 craniosacral therapy, right? We learn all the motions of the bones in the skull. We learn about the tentorium in the folks and how it articulates with all of the fascia. And most importantly, we learn the touch, how light it is. And then we talk about how, hey, you're about to adjust this woman who's had this atlas that is just a bitch, you know? And wait a second, what if I just did a little CV4 hold? What if I just relaxed all those sub suboccipital muscles just for a minute without some- a minute, do you mean like- Not even a minute. In, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, adding it in. And that's the biggest thing with chiropractors. I love y'all, like you're my tribe, right? And I know you so well, so I'm able to say to you, I'm able to say to you, stop doing, you know, because your thing is get in there and you're going to do your fix it thing. Right. But when you incorporate craniosacral work with your adjustments, it's a little bit of a stop minute, mm -hmm. a stop and breathe and really focus in on your intention. But it, it can be a moment or two. You can still get it in if you're a 10-minute adjusting period person. Mm -hmm. You can still do it. Or maybe it's a diaphragm. You just have to soften that diaphragm before you get in there on those thoracics that are just sticky. I wanted to, okay, I was I was wrote this down because I wanted to talk to you later about it, but let's just talk about it now because you brought up the diaphragm. So in clinic, I have noticed so many more diaphragm issues in the last three to six months than I have in the last like three to six years is this what is going on are you noticing well you you don't see adults really do you yes I do oh I do and but yes I am what is going on there is it wow. the, is, the, is it pandemic stress like are people just not belly breathing that like what what do you recommend for people with this diaphragm how do you work with this well i'm seeing it just like you're seeing it and i think it is all the pandemic and stress and just our world is different and may never be exactly the same and i that causes you to tense up right even if you don't realize you are and i mean some of us are moving more because we're sitting at home and we're using our workout equipment but most of us are not moving as much as we used to, right? So a diaphragm work is so simple and yet it isn't very well known. And all it is is a compressing from a posterior hand mm -hmm. and um, an anterior hand on the body, right? And you're bringing those two hands together in intention of, of just moving the volume, right? In that diaphragm, you're just misplacing the volume inside okay. like a balloon oh, okay like if you had a balloon that had some water in it even better than air and you're in there and how you know how you press it together and bloop yeah it'll go on one side and bloop to the other so you're just trying to displace the volume some and then when you bring your hands apart so you've compressed them correct yeah. and now you're going to gently let them fall apart the hope is that if there were any adhesions in that diaphragmatic membrane that were sticking to anything in there, that they might lift off, or at least we will encourage a deeper breath mm -hmm. and certainly get better movement in thoracic spine adjustment. What pressure are you using there? Because like you said, it's very gentle. Scale of like zero to 10, 10 is like the person's like, oh, oh, cool. Never that, never that. All you were doing is bring your hands together. Yep. You're just bringing your hands together and you're feeling without looking. So it's a, it's a new way to work, but you'll love it. 
You'll love it. And it doesn't have to take a long time. It's just a softening because guess what? Who gets touched like that? Right. We just don't. And so it's very it's also drawing uh, the patient's attention or intention to this. Yes. And like, how yes. often are they thinking about that? Never. That's the problem. Exactly. Okay. People soften up very quickly. So let's reverse back to when like this whole back to sleep thing, like you said, craniosacral therapy isn't that old. Um, and by that, do you mean like the mid 1900s, early 1900s, late 1900s? Oh, it's the 1900s for sure. Well, I mean, somebody needs to in go. 1895. So like <laughs> you barely just got the 1800s. Oh, it's old, old ancient art of chiropractic. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's not that old of a, a therapy. It's a newer therapy, okay. um, but it sure is gaining popularity. Do you, thankfully. I'm assuming, you know, like, do you feel like it is a profession that came out of necessity because of back to sleep are there other things is back to sleep like really the main thing that is messing babies up or is there more in there like what what do you find there's probably more well there is more there's the tongue and lip ties and that'll be a whole podcast on its own you know really but that's an integral part of what i'm doing right now because not only are these babies on their back caught in extension right and Many of them are rendered immobile all night long by not only sleeping on their back, but being swaddled. I had a mom just crying in my house. This isn't, I would show you my couch of tears, but it won't matter. I have a sofa we call the couch of tears, but um, she's crying and she's saying, you know, he sleeps for six hours, but I don't think he's sleeping. I think he's shutting down. And that's what I see. And yeah, are there babies that get under the radar? Yeah, there are, that they just don't seem to have pathologies from this. But of course, that's what I see all day, every day, are pathologies from this. Now, the back to sleep is newer, of course. You know, that was only recommended by the AAP in the late 90s. So people didn't really start to listen to them until they started sending them home with the back as best blankets. And that's when we started really seeing trouble with little bodies. Why? Okay, this is a loaded question and you are not expected to know the answer to this, but like, why, what was the whole purpose of back to sleep? I mean, it was to like prevent SIDS, but like, how is, because the research is there on stomach and like you talk to these moms and they're like, I feel so bad but she really prefers to be on your, their stomach. And I don't know what to say to a mom. So like, what do you say to a mom? Because I feel, here's the question. I do this, like, I just kind of like go on this tangent. And I'm like, hold on, I figured out what the actual question is. And I'm not, so I feel as a healthcare practitioner, really stuck telling a mom, go ahead and allow your child to be on their stomach. I feel bad. Like I kind of say it and I'm like, well, I can tell you what I've done with my kids. But like, when you have a mom that is like kind of just asking you, is it okay? What, what's that conversation like? Well, by the time someone gets to me and drives up to Northern Minnesota to come to my house, they're pretty much ready to do anything. And they're unhappy. Their family's unhappy. And I love when they bring their husbands or their mothers. Mm -hmm. I love when there's another witness there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I explained to them all about a baby's asymmetrical reflexes, right? That don't necessarily happen the best when they're awake tummy time. We never had to have that word before. I've had five children and they were all tummy slept. I have six grandchildren. They're all tummy slept. And they all had the old milestones reached that we used to have that they've kind of changed now because babies aren't ready. So when a baby's on their tummy and they're sleeping, what they'll do is they'll turn their head and they'll bring one arm up and then they get a little leg under their, you know, under their little bottoms. Do you know what I mean? And their little butts up in the air. And then, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. But I get babies who cannot even flex like that. 
their pelvic girdles are so tight and their pectoral girdles are so tight, you can't even pull their arm up over their head because their shoulders are almost frozen. I would use the word frozen and I do because you can't get them up. So they come to me and they're rigid and their hands are balled in little fists and their thumbs are opposed and they're arching their back like this. And you go to hold them and they pull away from, you know, they're pushing away from you. Their bodies are. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's testimony. If a baby was meant to sleep on their backs swaddled? Why are all these pathologies happening? And AAP admits that platyhelminthes is a positional thing. Mm-hmm. You go into any NICU and you'll see it right on their little cupboards there. You know that diagram of the head and then lines through that, and so that the nurses are very aware that they need to reposition baby. I don't know. I guess if babies weren't dying on their backs, there would be something to it, except. I would still say, what? There's got to be another piece because they don't do well. No, they're not doing well. Babies like, right. Definitely not doing well. So I started practice in 2010 and the back to sleep was obviously very, so like plagiocephaly, that was like rocking and rolling in its thing. Torticollis, those were like, yep, these are things that I know as a pediatric chiropractor are common. Um, And obviously colic. Now, I have seen in 10 years uh, reflux and lip and tongue ties continue to just soar. Yes. Is that is do you see that, too? And what daily? Yeah. Every single day. I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a baby where I couldn't at least recognize some kind of a tie. Mm-hmm. You know, and buckle ties or buccal ties, however you wanted to say, you know, the ones up here along the cheek line. I did. You know, nope. yes. Yeah, I have pictures of those. Um, it, it's, it's epidemic. Okay. So, but then the whole thing is, but why? Do they, do they, why well, the H, the MTHFR, you know about that. I know That's another that. Okay. I didn't know <laughs> that that goes with so the only thing I really know about lip and tongue ties um that's like being attributed is the folic acid versus folate yes that's the mthfr gene oh. mutation from oh. that yeah okay yep yep you know and that's I'm sure that's the reason the science is really still evolving and progressing in that area and I do honor that because here's the thing I've had babies that are all tied they're not thriving, you know, they're not gaining weight, they're not latching on, not even to a bottle. And they'll go, I have a few uh, pediatric dentists that I work with very closely. They'll go get a revision and it's a miracle. Everything changes, right? They can latch on, all of a sudden they're opening their eyes and it's, you know, a Christmas miracle. But just as many babies that go get that revision, nothing changes. Really? So what we do is we call, we have two classes, all right? Two classes of thought with this. There are the babies that are released and everything's fine and better, or at least it gets And by release, you mean like a surgical, um, like laser clip? Yep, a laser or uh, a cold scalpel, which is my favorite, but a laser, there's less- It is? It is? Are you being sarcastic? No, go ahead, say say something. The cold scalpel is your preference? Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. I feel like a crappy chiropractor. We have a dentist in town that like does the laser. And I'm like, oh, yes, that sounds. No, why? Why this? Well, my opinion is, yeah, there might be a little bit more blood. It takes a little bit more skill, all of those things. But I have seen those. They're less able to reattach. They're less likely is what I mean. Okay. Laser's great. That's what we've got. It's great. But if I can find anybody that'll do the scalpel, I'm like, yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's just because my opinion. Just Guess what? Okay. And I and it and for every baby, it's going to be different. And I'm not just saying this to make everybody happy. It's absolutely the truth. Okay. You know. Okay. And there's the two, two kinds of lasers too. There's the CO something. Oh gosh. I'm not prepared for that. But there are two different kinds of lasers. One's really super expensive. One's less expensive. Um, 
like I said, the science is, is evolving in this area. And we're going to know a lot more in 20 years than we do know today, because here's what, what happens. You get a baby that's not thriving. Of course, I'm going to recommend a revision. All right. But if I have a baby that comes here and he's nursing great and he's all chubby and he's not caught in fight or flight with that extension and that super hypertonic muscle tone, you know, I, and I see the tie and it's pretty thick and that tongue really doesn't move a lot. The parents can certainly go do that if they want to, but I'm not on the bandwagon to get them to do it. Right. Well, you said there was like kind of two theories you were saying before I interrupted you, sorry, um, where like there are those that do great with it and then there are those that nothing. Oh, thanks for bringing me back to that. So yeah, the I ones always get really good at bringing guests back because I get them off track so much. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's easy to get me off track. So there, we call the babies that get the revisions and everything seems to, you know, um, just melt away and work flow ties, just like an ice flow, okay. you know, like Rudolph and Hermie, yeah. they chop it off the side of the mountain and away they float. Mm -hmm. But then you have the babies that get the revisions nothing changes. We call them berg ties. So as much of the iceberg that you see above the water is happening below the water on a fascial level. Okay. So they need all the body work and dentists are well aware of that. The dentists I work with, they like to see the babies getting the body work before and after their revision. So you can imagine how expensive that is because the parents it's 800 bucks to get your baby clips. Some insurances cover part of it. Some don't, some don't have dental insurance. Mm -hmm. Then they're coming to their chiropractor, which is very important. And then to me, mm -hmm. that's why I think it's so important for the stretches to get out. You know, that's what I teach the chiropractors. The main reason I teach you is so that you can have these families miss this step coming to my house. Yeah. You can teach them or have your massage therapist teach them and educate them, you know, and if, and I still, I'm still busy. I'm so busy yeah. because I'll still get the people where I think y'all just think they just need a good dose of me or they need me to talk about tummy sleeping or whatever. And that's fine. But the bottom line is they need more than clinic visits. Yep. Yep, like you were saying, stretch multiple times a day. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about the MTHFR and the folic acid, folate acid. So I fundamentally understand what um, the MTHFR is, and that those women struggle to. Okay, I said I fundamentally understand it, but now that I'm being forced to explain it on a podcast, I'm like, you know what? Here's the deal. I'll play dumb, and can you talk to me about? this um and like is it becoming more common is it just women who are positive for the mthfr that they need to be taking folate or even if you aren't positive for mthfr do you still need to be taking folate or is it okay if i'm taking folic acid if i'm not positive here's like seven questions i don't know any of those answers and i'll tell you why because i can't know everything but after this i will give you a name of someone who does know all of this and she's brilliant and even when you do know all of the things that you just said, there are still so many variables and so much more to learn. And folic acid, even if you take folate, it's in everything you buy conventionally or if you go out to eat, God forbid, oh, you know, yeah, the, the government, the government did us a favor, you know, they yeah. put it in our flour. Thank you. So it's in our freaking flour. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. Okay. What are some of the misconceptions that you run into with parents about craniosacral therapy? I don't, I can't even answer that. I don't think there are. I mean, I don't run across it. I think I've so understanding is that because like your, like people have done their homework on you, like you don't think anybody has misconceptions on craniosacral therapy? I think they do, but I don't see it. Okay. Only because you, your people, send them to me by the time they come to me. Mm -hmm. They're just receiving in that half hour or hour if I'm doing lactation help with them. They're, they're just receiving anything that they can for help. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's when they watch me work and watch me stretch the baby. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's anything mysterious. It seems, oh, yes, of course. You know, and for the most part, babies love it. Even babies that are terribly fussy and colicky, they come and they love having the body work done. Okay, so let me rephrase the question then. What are some of the most common like light bulb moments for moms or dads, probably more so, um, in office with you as you're doing work on the child? Is how quickly that baby softens up within that half hour that we're here. So what I'll do is I'll put the baby prone right away, right on my table, and I'll put my hands under that baby's diaphragm. And it feels like an overfilled water balloon. Mm -hmm. So then I have mom and dad or grandma, whoever's with, everybody gets a turn. They come, they put their hands underneath the baby who's prone and they lift up a little bit on that respiratory and abdominal diaphragm. They feel it. And then at the end of the session, we do it again. And then they feel how yielding and soft it's, that's all they need. The proof is in the pudding. Mm -hmm. And how long will it stay like that? It stays like that forever if, oh yeah, oh yes. If they do the exercises at home and they have to get that baby off its back. They They have to do that. I don't tell them they have to, but they do. Okay. These babies are absolutely transformed. Okay. By their parents. Okay. (laughs) So... You're talking about babies being stuck, um, you know, they're in extension, but then there's also, I know that we really hate babies being in car seats um, because it's so terrible for the development of the cervical curves and, you know, babies are just hanging out, but like, isn't that putting the baby kind of in flexion? So like, doesn't that kind of help stretch some of the extension or not even remotely? I'm assuming what you're saying. I don't think so. And yeah. I don't like car seats. I like car seats to go on rides, Mm -hmm. but container babies, it just exacerbates all of the stuff with the ties and the back sleeping. It's because the baby doesn't have freedom of movement. So even though the baby might be in a curved quote unquote flexed position, it's not on its own. It's another place that the baby is placed if you understand me oh yeah oh put me in this and now put me in the bumba now put me in the swing now put me in the rock and play you know it's just crazy we have to just you know rethink what we're doing and also give our moms back their power and their intuition right give it to them We've just been told that that like that, you don't know, you're a mother, I'm a doctor. Like, it's not safe for you to carry that intuition. How much, how much work do you spend? Like, okay, so an appointment is half hour or an hour, right? You said? Yeah, I try to do a half hour if I can, because I have so many people to get in, but I will do an hour if she wants me to sit on the couch of tears with her. Okay, so that's, yeah, Yeah. the next question. (laughs) Like, how much of your work and your appointments are spent giving back power and permission to moms. All of them, the whole time. I am touching her in between touching the baby. I'm very connected with my moms. I need to be because when she walks in the door before I'm even picking up that baby, to assess the baby. That's how I do it. At first I pick it up and hold it. I'm looking at her, you know, I'm seeing her because there's the story, you know, and you'll get it's, it ranges because I can get a mom that comes in. She looks like a rock star. And that doesn't tell me that baby's okay. That can tell me that, you know, you need to not be at target. Mm -hmm. I put so many moms back to bed in their nineties lovingly, Mm -hmm. you know, it has to be in my book. That's what works for me, you know, in a nurturing way. They're trying to get back to normal life too fast postpartum. Yep. That is one thing. And then the other thing is some of them come and they just look like shit because (laughs) they're not getting any sleep. You know, they're not getting any sleep. This isn't what they signed up for. 
baby six weeks old. It has not stopped crying. It doesn't even open its eyes. It's, its hands are clenched. Dad is like, what? I want my wife back. This isn't what I thought. And God forbid they have a toddler. Oh, you know, it's just a lose lose. So it's really, really about families. Healing these babies is about the entire family. Absolutely. So in addition to go home and stop getting out of the house, like get back in bed. What other things do moms need to hear? Postpartum moms, like what is some of your most frequent like lessons that you are teaching moms? Biggest one, the most important one is look at your baby. Look at her. If I could pick up all of the scales, the baby scales all over this world, especially at the lactation consultant places, I would have a mass melting. It's driving mothers insane. Oh, I did a weighted feed. Oh, oh, he got two ounces, but they're not looking at their baby. You know, does your baby look vibrant? Is your baby present? Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things. Feel your baby. They're getting so much information that it's it's confusing. It makes their baby a project. You know, oh, here's my project. Pregnancy. We start with that in pregnancy. Right. It's not. It's not a getting back of your power. A lot of these moms never freaking had it because we made sure right from the get go, don't even trust that P test. You go in and get confirmation from the hospital that you're pregnant. Like, never mind the fact that you've missed your period. Your boobs are so sore. And yeah, you peed on the $15 test and it says it's a plus sign. Go in to have your doctor tell you you are pregnant. Like they don't even have power in the first place. And so- it makes sense like that they don't they don't have it because they were not told to trust their body their well, it's more than their body because when you're talking about your mother i mean breastfeeding yes and and co-sleeping that is learning to trust your body but it's your innate wisdom it's that feminine innate wisdom that has well it's it's innate but you know what else it is my dear it's legacy that has stopped being handed down oh say so much more yeah and so i like to take responsibility for it i get it i get the doctor thing but you know what i don't hate doctors no doctors have saved my life they've saved my son's life you know there is a place we as consumers have handed that over to them. Have you ever watched Call of the Midwife on PBS? Yes. Okay, perfect example of watching that happen. I love that series because it walks us through when that happened. We did it. It's our job to give it back to our daughters and not just our daughters, if you don't have daughters, but your people, right? And especially if you are a practitioner like we are, with women and young girls and boys, all of us, that's when we're, we need to restart those conversations, right? Mm-hmm. And live by example too, mm-hmm. right? It's yep. easy to give advice and then not live by it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's scary. It is scary to say, you know, I slept my babies on their tummy. My grandkids were slept on their tummies. I would sleep a new baby, God forbid I would have one, on its tummy. You know, it's scary because you're not popular. But, you know, like my grandma said, I'm not pizza. Not everyone's going to like me. <laughs> right. And it's just, it's just true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so since we kind of brought up pregnancy a little bit, do you work on pregnant women at all? Like, yes, I do. Do you find, what are the biggest things you find in a pregnant woman? As far as like diaphragm, like what do you, what's the most common things you're working on and releasing in a pregnancy? Mostly diaphragms because that kind of takes care of the whole picture. So of course you get all of sciatica and all the pelvic asymmetry, right? That we see. And then um, 
respiratory diaphragm restriction where they're getting heartburn and they just, they're always stretching back because they don't have enough room there for the baby. So mostly diaphragm work is what is, I don't know, I just feel like it's a key. It's just so wonderful and they feel so good and that's what they want. That's what they come for. Well, I heard a rumor, which I don't think is a rumor, but I'd love. Um, so I, let's see, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and I, I do more drop piece adjusting now. So not the like side twisting. Um, but when I got pregnant, my friend who sees a craniosacral therapist was like, you need to see a craniosacral therapist if you're going to do side posture during your pregnancy because side posture twists your diaphragm and then like your labor is going to be crap. And so I was like, okay, well, and so I did, and I don't know, my labor was pretty amazing and I did side posture, but like, is this, does that all of those, are all of those statements true? Yes, I think so. I, I for one don't like side posture. I don't like it done on myself. Some people love it. I don't like it. There are a couple people on the planet that have been able to do it with me do it to me and it works fine, but I get just as great release on a drop table. If you know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you right? feel like it twists the doctor's diaphragm? Does it? And the pain, the pain? I feel, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't see how it could. I mean, I can see how you could do it. So it would have less of a twist, but for the most part, I don't see. Yeah. It's a pretty twisting. It's a twisting thing. Yeah. Um, and that's also why it works, you know, it works because you're torquing it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, that's why it works. But I just wonder, like, if you're going to do side pot, like, I love myself a side pot. I like getting it on myself. I don't get it that often. Um, but I do like incorporating it sometimes in clinic. But what I'm wondering is, like, how easy quotes would it be to do the side posture adjustment and then just... Can you just then untwist what you just did in the diaphragm? Like, if I don't you know. Can't. Well, you're the craniosacral therapist. Like, if well, I foster someone, could I, like, if I learned your technique, like, could I just simply add in 60 seconds of, like, diaphragm work post-side posture, and that could potentially help? Why don't you try it? I will. I need to learn how to do it first. Oh, you taught me the squishing the balloon thing. I taught you. Yes, you did. Okay. Okay. Have me come out. I'll do a class with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to take you up on that. So can you, let's kind of switch towards more like what you're doing for yourself during this past year. Can you do craniosacral therapy on yourself? Do you feel like, what are you doing for your body and mental self-care for like this last year of the shit show? Oh, totally shit show. I am getting outside. Mm-hmm. I live in Minnesota um, and I've been snowshoeing and hiking, just getting outside, sledding with the grandkids. That is my therapy. And can I do cranial psychotherapy on myself? I do. If my sinuses are bad, I can do all of that on myself or my jaw if I'm having issues there. But as far as diaphragm work, I think the beauty of diaphragm work is that someone else is touching you, Mm. you know? So I'm not doing it on myself, but I'm seeing patients there. We're not slowing down because of COVID. The only thing that's slowing down is I'm not flying around the country teaching. Are you doing virtual teaching? What are you, so you're not doing any teaching right now? Well, I'm doing like, some yes, I have been doing teaching. We just aren't advertising it. Okay, well, so sure. I'll have yeah. I'm just I'll have doctors and they'll they'll message me and they'll say, hey, should we do a below the radar class? We have some people that really want to. I'm like, heck yeah, you know, and we'll do one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a workshop that's already pre-recorded that people can buy that I've had for years actually. And then you when you buy the class then you're in this special group, like networking group where you can ask questions and see what other doctors are saying, stuff like that. So I already have that. And then there's a group in Minneapolis that wants to do a live class plus live stream. So you could, you know, I just haven't done a ton of that, but but we can't. But hey, look at you. You're on Zoom right now. And I I totally did it with only the help of an 11 year old. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) 
when <laughs> just just out of curiosity when is that minneapolis thing supposed to happen we haven't nailed down a date yet okay so i'm hoping by beginning of march and you can see it on my so well that one we will advertise because live stream is safe yep mm-hmm. yeah so you'll well, see minnesota is weirder than wisconsin it is so weird. Are you in Wisconsin? Yeah. Yeah, you're way cooler than we are. Oh, this yeah. is we so are like, Don't even try and shut down our bars. Mm-mm. Yeah, we drive yeah. over there to go to your bars. I mean, you guys don't even sell alcohol on Sundays. Like, how is that still legal? We do now. We do. We fixed it. Thank God. I was oh, like, I'm sure Hudson Hudson was really sad because like all of their Packer, fa- all their football yeah. fans driving over to their liquor stores to get alcohol. But yeah. <laughs> It's so true. But I'm glad Minnesota fixed something good. Fixed it. That's about all we fixed. All right, Lori. Well, tell people, you know, if they want to be knowing when you're going to be doing a training, especially if they can do the virtual option and coming to Minneapolis isn't an option. Tell people where to find more of you. So Facebook. So it would be Lori Hendrickson CST. Otherwise, you're just going to find my personal Facebook and see a bunch of grandkids. So Lori Hendrickson, CST on Facebook and the same with Instagram. And you'll see all my videos there. They're all free for you. There's the workshop on there and I am very approachable. I think I, I do. A lot of, I mean, I do a lot of corresponding with people. Okay. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This is really, really interesting. I am 100% going to make that training work as long as I don't have it double booked um, with something else. But uh, yeah, this is exciting. And I'm, I'm really interested to hear like the training on like the stretching of the babies. And so thank you for coming today and sharing. You're welcome. Um, Anything to get the word out. Yeah. Okay. She Slayers, make sure you go follow Lori. Um, very interesting and educational social media, like 100% love it. Um, you just like be fascinated watching her whip these babies around and the babies are like, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> um, anytime I'm trying to stretch, they're like, what are you doing? You awkward lady. And I'm like, oh, I'm figuring it out. So that's obviously I'm going to go to a class. Okay. So all right, she Slayer. So go follow Lori, um, ask her questions and sign up for a training, buy her course. And um, until next week, she Slayers. Bye. Hey, she Slayers. Are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast, and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.